0: I'm Ian Dalimore, and this is Digital and How does out of home then drive engagement on social?
1: You're going to amplify your engagement, your reach.
0: All right, welcome back, guys. My next guest, he's an extreme sports surfer, snowboarder, and high altitude mountaineer. And I thought I knew you, but clearly I don't know you. He's climbed three of the seven (laughs) summits. He actually, this is a... A bucket list of mine now. He actually owns the basketball court from the Space Jams 2 set. It's in his office, not his physical office, but literally their office building. And he's had some uh, NBA players shoot hoops out there in uh, in Las Vegas. And one of his other investors in his company is the Chainsmokers. My buddy, Jonathan Gadai, CEO of Adomni and Shoutable. Welcome, my friend.
1: Ian. Yeah. Good to be chatting with you. Thanks for having
0: me on. Yeah, you too. You know, if, if we had a bigger budget for this podcast, which we're getting there, we would just fly out there and do this in center court from the Space Jam set. So tell me, how'd you, how'd you get that? That's pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah. So right before the pandemic, we were growing and wanted more physical space. And so we had built out this big warehouse that had set up that we were going to make as a cool tech office feel. And then the pandemic rolled in, and everything's kind of put on pause temporarily. And right after we built the office, we got a call from my co-founder, Jonathan, his brother-in-law, who's a producer for Warner Brothers. And he said, hey, we just finished filming with LeBron uh, for Space Jam 2. And we have this basketball court that was his at Nike. And trying to figure out what we want to do with it. And Jonathan is like, well, I've got this office. We want to make it a cool spot. So can we purchase it from you? And he's like, really? You want it? And two weeks later, we had this full court basketball court at the back side of our office in this huge open warehouse.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, when the NBA All-Star game was there, you actually texted me a picture of, you're like, hey, these are some guys shooting hoops out here. And it was uh, James Harden, Step Back Harden, as we call him.
1: Yeah, that's right. During that time, they were there. And also during the pandemic, there were very few places for you know both all these rising college stars and then also the NBA players to play because a lot of the gyms were closed. And so we uh, we know some people here in Vegas that are very connected in the basketball world, and we told them that we had this court. And so next thing we know, they're having, like, training camps, and you got Trey Young and James Harden and a bunch of players just on our court, um, random days. And, yeah, it was, it was fun. And, and I think that that was, you know, obviously cool to see and be part of, but it really, like, it's for our employees. I, I love playing basketball. I love watching basketball. But our goal is to have some fun with it where we have different teams and departments and mm-hmm. you know, people who fly outside of town and we can have a lot of fun with it on the, on the other side of where all the work is. So let's
0: let's dive yeah. into how you got started and where you are today. Maybe kind of give our, our listeners a little bit about your the personal origin story, your background, your family, where you grew up, and then kind of where you ended. Yeah,
1: sure. Happy to. Um, so I grew up in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale area, and... My parents are are both entrepreneurs, and my dad actually moved from Israel to the U.S. right out of the army, um, and he was a computer engineer, and and my mom had a career, you know, in in finance. But in the late '80s, they came together to create this something out of their garage, and it was a printing business focused on like custom invitations and greeting cards and wedding invitations, that kind of stuff. And I just remember, you know, as a kid, helping stuff envelopes of catalogs that would be mailed out to women in their second trimester of their pregnancy or people that just filled out the registry for their, their wedding. And, um, and we had this business, it was a family business that was small and, and ended up growing. And in 1999, you know, I ended up helping my, my dad and my brother and my mom put up our first website. Mm. My dad's like, this internet thing has so much potential. And that's kind of where e-commerce entered my world.
0: That's fascinating. So I have to ask did you did you use the uh, sponge with the water when you were doing the envelopes, or were you uh, a liquor?
1: <laughs> no, I you know I have the, the paper cut memories, and we had fortunately you know glue. So you but, were- but it was cool. You know, like my parents were always big on having us contribute and work at a young age, um, and I think that was a really key part of my upbringing. Is is that. Yeah, I was a young kid who was collecting baseball cards and trading them. But I was also working, you know, with my family or at different places to go buy it with my own money.
0: Yeah, and it's always great to go from not just diving directly into tech. So the family had the retail business in early on, mm-hmm. going from the old school mailers to having your father understand like, hey, we need to transition over early on, it sounds like. And I'm I'm sure the engineering mm-hmm. background and just the four sides, it really says a lot about you. So being able to pivot and understand and adopt new technology, that's, that's fascinating. So you, you obviously, you went to Washington university in St. Louis, which is amazing. Your, Mm -hmm. your family's from Israel. You end up in middle America, St. Louis, and, and then you did Mm -hmm. a, you did a business program abroad in Perth, Australia.
1: That's right. So I, I did a study abroad program, and I kind of booked it very last minute, so I, I knew I wanted to be overseas. And at the time, there were just a few options, and I ended up signing up for it. And then afterwards, realized that Perth, Australia, is like the most remote city. Where to get there, I was, my family's in South Florida, so I was there at the time, even though St. Louis was school. And it literally was like 24 hours of, of plane rides to get to Perth. But for me, you know. It was a great, great experience just from a collegiate perspective. There were some interesting learnings, but also on the extracurricular side, I just fell in love with the beach culture and surfing and, and traveling, you know, like the ability to hop around and went to Indonesia for a little bit, did some Bali trips and um, Hong Kong and, and just really, I, I recommend it to all, you know, people who are considering going abroad in college is take advantage of it because it really changed your life.
0: And clearly you you survived surfing there because most people are have some sort of shark story and I'm sure you have one you could tell as well. Um so you <laughs> you got into the family business helped really introduce you to technology and software and you kind of told that story. So yeah. um in nineteen ninety nine, yeah. so we'll pick back up there. You your company started family company started off um walk us through that in the very beginning days of the internet was new and now you're trying to create an e-commerce platform when probably most people were dealing with beta mode of how to just put an image on a website.
1: Totally. You know, it's funny from, from like my personal goals in life, I had always imagined I would either end up in finance on wall street or in real estate or, or, or just big business. And I, I always told my, my mom and my dad, like, there's no way I will ever work in the family business, but I will support you and you know do whatever I can to help. And after we launched that website in 99, and I saw just the potential to completely transform the way that the business was running and the way that we could reach our target customers, I just fell in love with e-commerce and the web. And my brother, who also helped when we were younger, went to Stanford undergrad, Stanford grad. And he, he graduated from there and showed him, like, look at all this potential. And this is early, early days of Google Analytics and the data side of the business. And we ended up both jumping in with both feet and seeing the rise of Google and then Facebook and mobile and all these different trends and just creating software, creating experiences that, like you said, it wasn't just an image on a page. It was letting people for the first time put in their text and their photos and actually design their baby invitation or their wedding invitation, and it just transformed from there.
0: Yeah, and that it says a lot, and we're going to dive into the Ad Omni story in a bit, but to be able to build a website (laughs) that's very interactive and you to custom design something and to make it your own, the back-end side of that is extremely important. The user experience is extremely important in that process. So kind of walk Mm -hmm. through, like, you you go from this old-school printing So now it's like, hey, you can do whatever you want here. And and there's obviously, uh, hopefully you guys sold to someone massive.
1: uh, Right. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. The innovation that was available through the web and through software was what I fell in love with. And even today, I mean, it's what makes me tick. And so before the web, we would send out catalogs. People would hand write in their baby's name and birth weight and parents' names. And then they would mail it back to us. We would take it out of the envelope, have to then type in the information. And it was just an inefficient process. But it was what was available at the time. And it, and it worked. It was a business. But once we were able to actually let the customers pick the designs they want and do their own customization using software, and we changed it from a kind of manual labor and data entry, actual like, software that's building the templates that then gets fed into the printers, not only did we make a better customer experience, But we also enable the company to scale so much bigger, so much faster because of the automation. And I just love that. I loved launching the first thing, seeing the first you know content be created, and people were you know using the platform to even change the colors and design something where it was very invigorating for me to to see both helping customers and making money in a more easy manner. I think that's kind of the core of just how I think about business in general is how do we continuously improve and create value along the way.
0: Yeah, so it it literally set up your career to where you are today in in the company at Omni. So this gave you the framework to start at Omni, but I'm assuming there's some backstory and history behind the next phase of your career.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting to look back at at your life or just even what you're working on now, and, and everything is connected in some way. In funny ways in your career, things also come full circle. But for us, our company was growing like crazy. So it was now it was like 2009, 2010, and you know, a hurricane had come through Florida for like the third summer in a row, and it, it shut down our whole operation. We couldn't print and, and fulfill orders. And so we said, okay, well, we need to have diversification play. Let's set up a West Coast operation, and that way we could distribute the workload if needed. And so I ended up in California in in 2009 hunting around and the company was doing very well and we were doing very well. And after kind of we looked at the tax implications of operating in California and and all the costs, we said, okay, well, that's quite an expensive place to try to do business. What about Las Vegas? So I never in a million years imagined I'd be living in Las Vegas or we want to set up the shop in Las Vegas, because we all have
0: the association of what Las Vegas is. Not to but interrupt you, but I, how, how old are you there yeah, at that point? I was 29. Yeah, that's a dangerous place to that's live that. when you're 29 years old.
1: Yeah, 28, 29. Yep, totally. So a single guy doing well in Vegas with a growing tech company. Sounded like an amazing idea to me. Beautiful. Um, my brother, you know, not so much as the Stanford guy who comes from the Bay Area and just likes that whole intellectual culture and That world, but, but we we ended up roping him in and we ended up doing it. So, so in 2010, we, uh, moved from San Diego there with the idea of like setting up an operation and then maybe being able to go back and forth to California where I love to surf and hike and all the stuff that I enjoy. And we ended up building that up from 2010 to 2014. And along the way, after I was just to the point where it was stable, my aunt said, you should go to this event that's being held at the El Cortez Hotel and Casino. It's a young leadership event. And I end up showing up late, um, thinking it's like a hundred person event and it's going to be just a social kind of cocktail thing. And it turns out I was the only person that actually showed up for it. And I sit at this table and it's like a Godfather scene where it's like at the back of this dark steakhouse in a casino, there's a family, there's different ages and i sit down i don't know anyone and it turns out that my wife now wife was across the way from me and um like the spotlight went from whatever they were talking to like who is this guy what's going on and literally a year from that date uh, i proposed
0: yeah that. that's beautiful so you go in for a steak and you leave with a wife that's that's a fantastic <laughs> move
1: yeah my 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 aunt's got a very nice thank you present for uh Yeah. For helping make that idea happen. But, um, but yeah, you know, with the Vegas thing, it was really kind of happenstance. And so let's fast forward from 2011 when I, when I met my wife Alex to to 2014. So we're selling Storky and I go to another steakhouse, my wife and her sister and in walks in Jonathan Fine, who's starting to date my wife's sister. And I'd heard of Jonathan, but, socially in town, but didn't really know him. And we ended up talking and he says, what are you up to? And I said, you know, we've got a business, I've got an e-commerce background. And he says, I, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I've got all these businesses. And one of my investments was in a couple of billboards coming out of the airport in Las Vegas, where on the UNLV property, there's two digital bulletins right at the stoplight. He's like, I'm not in the billboard business. I don't, run it. I don't operate it, but I do look at the numbers and I was crunching the numbers and I noticed that we've got about 30% unsold space. We're making a lot of money on the, on the, on the board, but we have this unsold space and the original idea for Adami was, can we take the unsold space and make it available online and create an Airbnb of um, billboards? Like that was Adami's idea in 2009. Jonathan had that idea. And the other co-founder partner of his who was the investor in this billboard, his name is Bob Stockham. And Bob was the head sales guy for Yesco, um, and had actually installed Yesco's hardware on those, those screens. So he brought like the billboard hardware side. And he, and Jonathan just told me that for five years, they've been trying to build Ad Omni as like advertise everywhere. That's the name where the name came from, but starting first on billboards. And they just couldn't get the software off the ground. They spend a lot of money trying to build a platform and it just, they're just not software tech guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, from their background. And that's, that's how I got into just like the idea of a I said, this has to exist. Like 2014, there's, there's gotta be a Shopify type platform that you could just as a subscription and then connect it to your billboard. And sure enough, it, you know, nothing really did exist back then.
0: Yeah. And you, you were introduced to me by John Miller, our SVP of Sales, who's been on the podcast and has been a mentor of mine my entire career. And he was like, "You really need to check out these guys." And initially, Jonathan, the way that it happened was our uh, our GM in in that market in the Las Vegas market, which Lamar kind of dominates. Was like, "Why would we do business with someone that owns two billboards?" And it really wasn't about the billboards that was the issue the bigger issue and the problem that you guys understood was the unsold space that occurs in digital and occurs in out of home in general. How do you capitalize? And there's been a lot of phenomenal platforms that have, but you guys saw that early on and dove into it and said like, okay, how do we capitalize? And again, going back to your, your parents' uh, business, that set the blueprint and that's often, Mm -hmm the failing point of a lot of investors is, is like, well, I don't understand the platform. I don't understand technology. I don't understand insert whatever, but you had that knowledge. Right. And immediately jumped on that. So let's kind of fast forward because the company is very successful. Let's talk about Ad Omni's mission and how you focus on purpose and inclusiveness to kind of grow.
1: Yeah. I mean, from day one, I think our, our mission was just crystal clear and still Resonates today when, when we're when we're talking to our employees, our investors, partners, everyone, and that and that's to create win-win opportunities across the spectrum of the partners that we're working with, and to grow the industry by creating technology, software experiences that both bring more buyers into the market and also unlock new ways for them to actually use the screens or reach an audience or drive that outcome. And as I left that steakhouse and started doing research on the out-of-home industry and realizing, you know, what its share of overall media spend and its growth rates, I just looked at it and said, this is so undervalued relative to what it could do for both brands, agencies, consumers, and we, we have a lot of business. We've got a bunch of bars and restaurants in Vegas. We've got a bunch of other types of investments, casinos. But the idea that the at of home industry could be made accessible, aggregated to where someone could do a national buy, a global buy, um, or even a hyper local buy as easily as booking a hotel room. And I think the crux of it, Ian, is that looking at our, our world that we live in now, so much has been moved to us having the the tools and the access to buy what we want to buy, to do what we want to do in, at our fingertips. And when I looked at at a home, the ability for it to also be a medium that could be not only sold, where you have salespeople that obviously have a very important part in the ecosystem to educate and to consult, but also to let people just buy, like to turn it around and let them be able to find and buy space was really exciting for me.
0: Yeah. And you've, you've always thought that way. And, and that's the one thing I love about you, mm-hmm. the, the commonality that you and I have, it's like ideas and like, let's do something big. So one of the biggest things that, that you guys have done, well, not even anymore to date, because you will talk about the, the shadow bull campaign in just a moment, but the Kylie Jenner campaign in 2019, it was the biggest digital billboard campaign ever is the way that, that it's phrased and both from a quantity number of boards and cities and it really, Jonathan, has become like this defining campaign, not only within the company, but also in the industry. It's it's oftentimes when we talk to these massive digital brands and agencies, it's, well, the issue with out-of-home is scale. And that's a really tired and played out comment because, and look, we do a better right. job of educating, but the scale, you know, obviously Lamar has 4,000 digital. Our friends at Clear and Front mm-hmm. have, you know, 2,000 around about each but then there's thousands of other screens that exist. So maybe touch on the Kylie Jenner campaign specifically, what it was about, and really how it was beyond just roadside digital billboards, and it was really everything.
1: You know, so we started started building Adomni in 2015 and launched in 2016. And for the first few years, it was all about connecting the pipes and educating uh, mostly on the supply side. I mean, I know you guys... Have been doing it for you know a long time, but there's a lot of other billboard companies and at a home media owners, publishers that that just weren't yet programmatic ready. And so for the first three, four years, we were just focused on being able to work directly with publishers or work through SSPs to aggregate the inventory. And in February of 2019, we had just finalized integration with Broadsign Reach, the SSP. And at that point we significantly grew our footprint of connected screens. And one of our investors has had done work. He's like a partner with, with Kylie for their vending machines. I don't know if you've seen the, the vending machines in, in airports. Yeah. So they were launching Kylie skin in May of 2019 and they were doing vending machine stuff. He said, Hey, how are you going to get the word out? I mean, I know you have a social media following of hundreds of millions of people, but what do you think about billboards? You see, that's in our company. And, they're doing what, what good investors do: help, help, support. And they're like, "Oh my god, we love billboards! What do you have in mind?" And he's like, "Why don't you guys talk to Adomni, and and they could tell you about the billboard footprint and what they have for shopping malls?" So we ended up on a Friday afternoon, literally talking with Chris Jenner and them and their team about all these thousands of boards that we have available programmatically to help launch and make everyone all across the U.S aware that Kylie Skin Cosmetics is now open for business. And quite frankly, we had never thought of doing a national billboard campaign buy. We'd always thought how cool that would be, but there was never an opportunity prior to talking to the Jenners. So I remember calling you and saying, Hey, I know we haven't done too much business yet. It's fairly new, but we have a big opportunity here. And I remember, you know, just confirming the inventory availability that, you know, the the bid requests can be relied upon and literally from Friday afternoon where we we talked to them first, Wednesday morning, the campaign went live. What was cool about it is not just that it was in a thousand cities and, you know, just concurrently showing all the messages, but they were changing throughout the day. So at like 7 a.m. it was Kylie Skin is going to be live at 9 a.m. And then at 9 a.m. it was now available. And then the part that they didn't know was when is it going to sell out? And you know, you don't want to necessarily piss off your customers with uh, a product promotion when they can't actually buy the buy that product. So they had their finger on the trigger for when they would want to hit the pause button on the whole programmatic campaign. So yeah, and it worked. And it, and it totally worked in a first shot.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was funny because I, I recall you calling me kind of like, are you sure this we're gonna be good? We're gonna be good. And you know, again, <laughs> programmatic is a bit different in the sense that like just trust the technology. I remember telling you, like right. Jonathan, you guys, you have phenomenal tech people, like you've built out these great platforms. Lamar's integrated these great platforms. Let's just let it play. And so obviously the technology worked and it continues to work across the entire industry and and what you've built out at, at yep. Omni and your your supply side partners. But it it was also to your point, it It was one of the first displays of scale in the industry, but it was also more importantly, the ability to be flexible and to be able to kind of end a campaign because Mm -hmm. had you bought any other type of media, it would have been a lot more difficult to remove a TV commercial. But when a product sells out, yes, you want to say, hey, it's sold out. But what I loved about it was, is we were like, we were discussing it. should, Should it come down right when it's sold out? And you kind of landed on, and we kind of landed on. No, this is spectacular. Like FOMO, like it went live on sale at 9 a.m. And then the moment it sold out, like, hey, everybody who wanted to get this sold out. And again, it wasn't just billboards. It was, you know, throughout right. all media, throughout your entire journey, you mm-hmm. were you were engaged in this.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Shopping mall screens and and all other consumer journey path opportunities were were utilized. And, and, and it was also one of those kind of head scratchers for a lot of people saying, why would Kylie Jenner do that? You know, like why isn't social media enough really going back to the mission of like, how do we create win-win situations for everyone and grow the industry? We have to break down barriers where I think so many marketers and so many agency mindset folks are, have operated in a siloed environment and social media is just a different thing than at a home and they get planned, bought separately by separate teams without too much overlap. And for this particular one, we were able to you know, hear about how she was going to be posting organically and how we could have the content match up with what they were saying on social. And then how also the content that was going on the billboards became what she was wanting to post. And I think that's what, that's kind of one of the origin things for Shattable and and how we have to I believe break down these silos and think of just the consumer and how are we telling our stories and how are we influencing them in ways that actually kind of penetrate their attention. And yes, we're spending more time than ever on social, but we're also spending now more time than ever at a home. And when you compare those things together, it's a beautiful combination. That was also a cool aspect of the, of the Kylie thing is, you know, yeah. she didn't need to do it.
0: Yeah, and that's a great transition. And because we talk about it in the industry, is we're not a siloed industry. We shouldn't be treated as, well, if you're gonna buy a campaign, you just buy out of home. It's it's extremely important to understand the social media side of things, the out-of-home side of things. And oftentimes we think about it the other way. It's like, okay, well, something happened. Let's stream that live to a billboard, which we can do, stream live tweets, stream live Instagram posts. But You really recognize, and you and I kind of have been talking about this for years, it came out of the Kylie Jenner uh, campaign, but it's really about what you realized fairly early on and and just implemented the first one ever is how do we take an influencer and how do we make that an opportunity to then trigger consumers to think of billboards no different than the way you think about posting an image on Instagram, posting a TikTok. It's just a Mm -hmm. different media type, and it shouldn't be so siloed. Mm -hmm. So insert Shoutable. So I kind of told a little bit of the origin story from my perspective. So maybe kind of talk to us a little bit. What is Shoutable?
1: Totally. So going back to the mission of our company, which is to grow the out-of-home, share a wallet, and to bring new buyers into the space. There's a lot of different ways that we are all trying to do that strategically, tactically. And what i realized is just throwing salespeople at it or throwing marketing dollars at it is not the answer. The problem that we have right now is that out of home is not getting the respect it deserves, or it's not getting the attention it deserves. And that is what we need to elevate. We have to find creative ways so that that digital marketer who has a big budget and is going to slice it up thinks about digital out of home in a bigger, better way. And so, sure, Adomni as a platform is our core business and will continue to be the breadwinner for us and what we're investing significant amount of capital and time into. But with Shoutable, it actually goes back to Adomni's original, original concept. The way that we came into this was Bob and Jonathan were in one of our bars, and they had just installed this device that gets attached to the bar's television screens that let people tweet and hashtag and it would show up on the screen in the bar. So if you're in Vegas and you're single and there's a cute girl at the end of the bar and you want to flirt with her, instead of going over to her, you could say something via Twitter, shows up on the screen. Hopefully she sees it. She tweets back and you have some fun with it before you actually get that physical content. That was the original idea um, where they said, wait a minute. What if we could actually let people post, not to just the screens of the bars, but actually post their contents to the two billboards that they own. And it was an idea that was, that was fun. That was cute, but didn't really have ability to be brought to life because we were still scaling the core B2B business and we couldn't possibly lease it until just recently. And we ended up getting connected with the biggest TikToker in the world, which is Charlie D'Amelio. And Ian, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm a, I'll be, I'll be for you on this year And TikTok was just not a platform that I personally had used, but you probably read this, that TikTok in 2021 surpassed Google as the most traffic website. Do you, you see that headline?
0: Yeah. And, and that's fascinating. I definitely, I've done one TikTok video in my life, but it's, it's definitely a way that people communicate. Every few years, there's going to be fun. another TikTok and it's fun. Yeah. Whatever's trending is what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there will be another TikTok potentially down the line. Um, obviously, there's now there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's Snapchat, there's TikTok. But for me, what th- got us really excited about it is the opportunity to debut this idea for Shoutable in the hands of the biggest TikTok influencer in the world and bridge digital at home with social. And there's a couple of different sort of reasons behind it and the vision of what we want to do with it. I first want to give a shout out, uh, no pun intended to Ari Buckalter and, and the team at intersection who the Shadowable name, they had originally had a Shadowable concept in New York for intersection league NYC. That's right. And I was talking to him about a B2C concept that we want to roll out. We're trying to figure out our names. He's like, well, we're not, you know, if you guys can make it a successful name. So, you know, we didn't invent the, the, the shoutable name, but we loved it enough where we said, if we can let people instead of posting on social, if you first it to digital at a home, first of billboards, and then you take that image of the billboard and then you put it on social, you're going to amplify your engagement, your reach, and just the, the vibes, the feel of what you're trying to communicate with, you know, the people that follow you.
0: Yeah.
1: And so that was, That was the concept that we said, let's unlock an entirely new transaction type for programmatic digital home where the media owners can make not $8 CPMs, but let's elevate that. Let's do 15, 20, $25 CPMs to take the same ad play, make two to three times more valuable. And at the same time, also give an entirely new segment of of the industry that's hundreds of billions of dollars you know, and, and, and just reaches everyone the ability to participate. And so, yeah, so that, that's sort of what shadow bowl is all about. And, and Lamar, you know, you guys got it right away. Um, and said, okay, what are we thinking? And we said, okay, mother's day, instead of buying a greeting card, which I know is kind of messed up because I came from that world, but, um, uh, instead of buying a greeting card and spending, you know, if you buy a couple of them like I do, three of them, 20, 30 bucks. What if you spent 40 bucks and you bought your mom a billboard piece of content, a shout? And we thought that that was going to be a great way to introduce the world with the largest TikToker in the world, with Charlie and her sister Dixie, who have a celebrity mom. And so we did that. We had thousands of consumers go to shadowhole.me. Choose a template, upload their photo, change the text, put in their credit card, and then got an email that said, "Here's where the billboard is, and this is where you can see your your content." And capture all of that in a really beautiful photo or video that mom probably has ever thought of being on a billboard, but we actually made that possible.
0: Yeah, and it was one of the. I mean, yes, it's cool to show up and take a photo in front of a billboard with your your mom but i thought the coolest part again going back to how does out of home then drive engagement on social what i loved about it was you got that mock up immediately after you purchased it the day of mother's day so not only could you go out and take a photo in front of the billboard and if you chose to spectacular but more importantly you got that email you could then save that image you could repost it on um, instagram facebook tag your mom Right. And again, looking back at your your career and the family business, it is kind of funny because it's like you started in the greeting cards and you've you've evolved yeah. into into this. So on the blog post, we'll definitely showcase that Mother's Day campaign. We'll talk about the future. We'll we'll put the Charlie D'Amelio video, which was super fun to see someone with 100 million followers on TikTok yeah. talk about Lamar, talk about this. New Shadowable brand. So spectacular. As we kind of wrap up this podcast, um, I, one of the things that I've noticed about you is you surround yourself with, with spectacular investors, but also experts in the industry. Um, so I can't let you go without telling the story about Chain Smokers being an investor and in Ad Omni. So set the stage for us. You, you get Chain Smokers, they're, they're interested in Ad Omni. So obviously, the next thing is you're going to have a meeting. Like grown individuals, but instead what what went down.
1: yeah, no, totally, so you know we've over the years we, we've done a few rounds of outside capital um, altogether, just the founders us we've put in probably four and a half million of our own cash into a dummy, and as you get bigger you you just realize that, okay, we need some institutional investors, and we we were very fortunate to get introduced to a VC firm called Mantis, that turns out is the Chainsmokers uh, and, and, and a couple other yeah, LPs with them. And it's the the Chainsmokers. So they're world-famous DJs, Alex, Paul, and Drew Taggart, who have had so much personal success or professional success as DJs who are playing at you know, The Win almost every other weekend. And also, by the way, May 13th, brand-new album, Chainsmokers, throw a little plug in there. But, uh, but they, they're doing so well financially that they set up a, a VC fund. And we met them, we told them what we were doing, showed them the platform, and, and there's just this like very powerful connection between celebrities, DJs, influencers, and at a home. They just love it. They absolutely love the channel. And I don't think they use it enough. I think they will be using it a lot more with the efforts that we're doing. And so, yeah, so, we showed them the concept We said, we love this. And the next thing I know after, you know, they made the investment, they're up in a suite with them right before the show. And then we're in the DJ booth with them at Wendy. We're like, this is like a surreal moment <laughs> where, uh, you know, we're, we're rubbing shoulders with like the, the biggest celebrities, you know, with some of the biggest DJs in the world who just love out a home and want to be bigger, better. So that was really cool. And for anyone who comes to Vegas would like to go to a show or like that, a special experience hit me up. It's so much fun, Yeah, but it's been a fun ride there. And I think that, you know, going back to the chatable thing, um, once we out of home is accessible to everyone, literally just like Google and Facebook are used every day by consumers. First. I, I think that I think we're going to see more people kind of lean in in terms of promoting that. So,
0: yeah, you know, again, you've, you've always surrounded yourself with great people that are going to continue to grow your vision and, I think Shadow Bowl is just at its infancy. I think Ad Omni is just at its infancy. And I I think what you're doing for the industry is great. You continue to change and evolve. You make people uncomfortable, which I love when people are made uncomfortable in this space. And you know, it's it's fun to watch. So we're gonna always be here to support you, my friend. And for anyone Thank that you, wants Bert. to Anyone that wants to take them up on that uh, chain smoker thing, that's fine. But I already have first rights at the Formula One in 2023. So don't even bother asking them on that one. You do. That's, that's a true story right there. All right, brother. <laughs> well, we going be so can, fun. We can talk for, we can talk for hours. We'll keep up the fantastic work. And uh, I'm excited to see what's to come. Thank you. Digital and Dirt is brought to you by Lamar Advertising. To learn more, check out the links in the description or go to lamar.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, Apple, or other platforms where podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.